0: Well, why don't we go ahead and turn to Genesis chapter 16. You know, you you can't imagine the irony of uh, today being Mother's Day. And as I was looking, I came across the text that we are just naturally falling in this morning is Hagar and Ishmael. And this is where Sarai gives her maid to her husband. I'm just like, really, Lord? Really? You want me to? That's Mother's Day? Okay, well, I'll see what I can do. (laughs) So. Uh, yeah, having, uh, you know, polygamy uh, on Mother's Day, it was kind of an interesting one, but I kind of got a kick out of it, I thought it was funny, and as I was praying through it, and just kind of, you know, working through it, preparing the study, the Lord really showed me some uh, nuggets that I thought were pretty cool, and so uh, with a, kind of a, a little bit of laughter in my heart, and uh, some excitement just about the text itself, uh, we'll be sharing about uh, Hagar and Ishmael this morning, and for you mothers, uh, happy Mother's Day, and thank you so much for... Uh, putting up with all of us. (laughs) So, all right, let's go ahead and turn to Genesis 16, verse 1. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children, and she had an Egyptian maid servant whose name was Hagar. So Sarai said to Abram, See now, the Lord has restrained me from bearing children. Please go into my maid. Perhaps I shall obtain children by her. And Abram heeded the voice of Sarai, then Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, her maid, the Egyptian, and gave her to her husband, to her husband Abram, to be his wife, after Abram had dwelt ten years in the land of Canaan. So he went to Hagar, and she conceived, and when she saw that she had conceived, her mistress became despised in her eyes. Then Sarai said to Abram, My wrong be upon you. I gave my maid into your embrace, and when she saw that she had conceived, I became despised in her eyes." The Lord's judge between you and me. So Abram said to Sarai, Indeed, your maid is in your hand. Do to her as you please. And when Sarai dealt harshly with her, she fled from her presence. Now the angel of the Lord found her by a spring of water in the wilderness, by the spring of the way to Shur. And he said, Hagar, Sarai's maid, where have you come from and where are you going? She said, I am fleeing from the presence of my mistress, Sarai. The angel of the Lord said to her, Return to your mistress and submit yourself under her hand. Then the angel of the Lord said to her, I will multiply your descendants exceedingly, so that they shall not be counted for multitude. And the angel of the Lord said to her, Behold, you are with child, and you shall bear a son. You shall call his name Ishmael, because the Lord has heard your affliction. He shall be a wild man. His hand shall be against every man, and every man's hand against him. And he shall dwell in the presence of all his brethren. Then she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees. For she said, have I also seen him who sees me? Therefore the well was called ber lehai Roy. Observe, it is between Kadesh and Bered. So Hagar bore Abram a son, and Abram named his son, whom Hagar bore, Ishmael. Abram was 86 years old when Hagar bore Ishmael to Abram. Wow. Now you can see why I have kind of like I was kind of laughing about the text. It's like, yeah, happy Mother's Day. <laughs> uh, but, you know, what, what can you do? The, the beauty about teaching the word is that you never have to manufacture something. You know, if there's things going on in the congregation and things like that, nobody can say, oh, he, Pastor Brian, he's picking on me. No, it just happens to be where we are. So hopefully uh, none of you ladies will try to offer somebody to your husband. Just don't even go there. Okay, don't even go there. But if that's you, then come talk to me afterwards, please. So... <laughs> Uh, If you'll uh, address your eyes to verse two, I'd like to just point out this first. So Sarai said to Abram, see now, the Lord has restrained me from bearing children. Please go into my maid. And I I want to stop right there. There's a background that's been going on. You know, Sarai, you know, she's coming up on 76 years old now. Abram's 86 years old. Sarai is about 10 years younger than he is. And so she's about 76 years old. We know from the scriptures that she is still beautiful. She's, she's what we call a hottie. Uh, when she went down there, the Egyptians were like, whoa. And they, you know, they took her from Abram. You know, and Abram said, hey, you know, tell them you're my sister so they don't kill me for you, okay? Because you're really pretty. And you know, so we know that she's still in good shape. She still looks good and everything like that. But she's gone a long time without having any children. Now... The Lord, as he called Abram out of uh, Ur of the Chaldees, when he called him out of Haran and into the promised land and then again out of Egypt, you know, and, and back into the promised land again. You know, the Lord kept meeting Abram with the promise. I will make a great nation out of you. I will multiply you. And even last week, as he said, you know, Abram was sitting there, was afraid and he was upset at the Lord because he's like, you know, Lord, you've given me all this stuff. But, you know, what can you give me? Because I go childless. And like the Lord had to have one of those like timeouts with Abram where he's like, come with me, son. And, you know, the word of the Lord came to him and he walked to him outside and said, look, do you see these stars? And Abram's like, you know, yes, yeah, Lord. And he says, your descendants will be as the number of the stars. If you can count the stars, you'd be able to count your descendants. He says, do you understand that? And it says that Abram believed. And that belief, that faith, that trust in the work of God was accounted to him as righteousness. And so he's like, all right, fantastic. And then, and then, you know, as happens with a lot of us, you know, he says, all right, Lord, but how will I know? How can I know? So he's like, yay, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. How will I know that these things are going to happen? And the Lord's like, all right, I'll make a covenant with you. And the Lord made a promise through a covenant uh, with him that the Lord was going to multiply him. And there'd be a great nation after him. And now we come to Sarai. See, this promise was promised by the Lord to Abram and Sarai was sitting here and she's like, okay, you know, the Lord promised and who knows how long passed from that promise to now this moment right here. Uh, it could have been a couple of years, could have been up to 10 years, but Sarai is, is sitting there and nothing's happening. Nothing's happening. It's like, you know, a lot of times when the Lord gives us a promise, the Lord gives us a word and it's like, okay, I want it to happen now. I want it to happen right now. And the Lord's timing isn't always what we think it should be. I'm reading a a book right now called uh, Chasing the Dragon. That is a term that is used in China for uh, taking heroin and a specific technique in taking heroin. And this lady named Jackie, she's an English woman, went to China. She went to this place called the Walled City. The Walled City is literally a precinct of Hong Kong that has no law within it at all. Some, you know, some people think it's with this government. Some people think it's with this government. And neither one of them do anything. So you literally have a city that has been walled off. And there's literally guards at the exits and entrances into this place. And everybody who's inside there, there is no electricity. And there is no uh, sewage at all. So literally, they, they just throw their waste into the streets. Kind of like uh, back in the old school days. And it's literally this really nasty place. And it is filled with these gangs t- called triads. And the triads run uh, prostitution rings, they run uh, heroin uh, districts, opium districts, and gambling. And that is the sum total of everything that's going on in there. There's you know, very little education, and you know, kids as early as nine years old are either raped and brought into prostitution by kidnap, or they're sold by their parents into prostitution, and that's how they make their living. And parents will have a whole bunch of kids in order that by the time those kids get old enough, that they will take care of their parents and their parents can move out of the walled city into Hong Kong and their kids can take care of them through their drug dealing and prostitution and uh, drug usage and things like that. And this lady, Jackie, an English woman of all people, comes, she's like uh, 20 years old and she goes, they're not sent by a missionary society. She literally just felt called by the Lord to go. And she didn't know where she was going so she got on a boat. She She just got a boat that went to the farthest place that she could see and she just started going and when the Lord said this is the place, she got off her boat. And she goes into Hong Kong, and she really felt called that she was supposed to go into this walled city. And there began a ministry to the children, the youth of this walled city. And there she was doing her thing. It doesn't seem like any progress is happening. Nothing's happening. Nothing's happening. Four years later, one of the triad uh, bosses said, "Hey, you know, yo, know, many times, you know, evangelists have come to us and they've said, "Hey, you know what? Um, you know, here Jesus loves you, know, all this kind of stuff. But then when things get hard or, you know, we don't like them very much, they would leave immediately." And he goes, "And if you were a man, we would have beaten you up by now just to see why you're here. But you know what? You've been here for 4 years. You've been here for 4 years. And so we know one of two things uh is true. Either you are a spy sent by the government or Jesus really is who you say he is because no one else would be in here and minister to us for any other reason than those. And that was the moment when all of a sudden it's like she started having this incredible ministry with the gang members where, she literally, where the, the triad bosses were like saying, yeah, you leave her alone. Don't you mess with her. You know, she is a good Christian woman, and she, yet she will still hang out with the likes of us. And so she gained a great reputation among them. And like, that's where I am right now. I was reading that to Heidi last night. And, like, that's where she is. That's what's going on in her ministry. But it took four years, you know, four years of discouragement, four years of, you know, sowing, 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 sharing the gospel, pouring into kids, you know, giving them food, giving them money, helping them out, going and visiting them in prisons, and nothing, nothing, nothing. And Sarai now is in that place of discouragement. She's in that place where it's like, well, nothing's happening. Yeah, the Lord promised you, Abram. The Lord promised you to have a child. And there's going to be, you know, as far as, you know, as many as the stars are in the heavens and all that kind of stuff. But you know what? It's not happening. It's not happening. And I'm discouraged. And I, you know, I don't know what to do. And so, you know, Abram, look, I, 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 I've come up with a plan. Remember when we were down in Egypt and you got all of those uh, servants and stuff like that from Pharaoh for selling me into his harem and that whole bit? Remember that? Well, you know, one of those servants, Hagar, is my maid, my personal maid. And you know what? There's a custom. There's a custom around us that if a, if a lady can't give birth, that what she'll do, she'll take her maid and her maid will have children in her name for her. It's kind of like a surrogate mother. And, he says, and, and so she says, hey, Abram, this is what we're going to do. She said, you know what? The Lord's promises, you know, I don't know. But you know what? This is an answer for today. Here's a practical answer for today. Today, take my maid, Hagar. Take her. And she'll have a child for me. And gentlemen, this is, I want to break off for a moment and, and speak to the gentleman in here right now. This is a moment where, where Sarai was feeling vulnerable. This is a moment where Sarai was just trying to find something. Because, you know, we, we saw earlier in chapter 15 how desperate Abram was for a son, right? He was sad. He was mourning. He was even yelling at God. You know, like, Lord, what can you give me? And you know what? Do you think that Sarai was immune to that? Do you think that Sarai, as she was sitting there hearing her husband crying, Hearing him like literally call out to the Lord and like just like, you know, Lord, what can you give me? And like probably the depressed state that he was in, you know, just walking around. Do you think Sarai was immune to that? And guess what she thought? It's my fault. It's my fault. My husband's miserable. It's my fault because I can't have children. And I want to just take a moment and say, you know, guys, there are times when our wives are desperate. There are times when they're sad and their emotions are crying out. And you know what? They don't need us to say, "Oh yeah, honey, that's great." They need us to dwell with understanding with them. They need us to take a moment and say, "You know, sweetheart, I know that God promises these things, but you know what? You're more important to me than any son. I love you so much, and you know what? God will I don't know when, I don't know how, but God will. Can you imagine if Abram said that to Sarai? She'd be on cloud nine. But instead, what happens is, Sarai says, hey, you know, honey, I, I've got this um, this pretty girl right here. You know, w- Will you take her as a second wife and have kids with her? And he's like, huh? <laughs> Sounds good at first, right? Uh, no. <laughs> Just remember uh, what the Gospels say. You sow to the wind, you reap the whirlwind. And it's coming. And, you know, there she is and she's like she's just desperate you know you can see where she is and she's desperate and abram like the the just the, (laughs) i want to say doofus that he was was just like okay sounds like a good idea right on and that should have been a moment where now i know first peter wasn't written yet but If first Peter had been written, uh, this would have been one of those things where Abram should have had taped to his uh, his uh, tent door as he walked in and out. And in first Peter, uh, chapter three, verse seven, it says, husbands, likewise, dwell with them, speaking of their wives with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers may not be hindered. This is an important truth. We are called to dwell with understanding with our wives. Why? Because you know what? You know, I've said it before. You know, you've probably all heard it. But, you know, many times, you know, women have like a confidant, a best friend that they confide everything to. And it's because they feel that their husbands do not hear them. They say, hey, you know what? I talk and I talk and I talk and I talk and he doesn't hear a thing I'm saying. And in doing multiple, I mean, a ton of marriage counseling, every time I bring up this verse, the wives either start to cry and say yes, or they just go absolutely. And they say, yes, I do have a best friend, and I tell her everything because he doesn't listen. And right now, Sarai is calling out to her husband, She's pleading with him. She's just trying to do something because she's trying to, in her own ability, settle the dissatisfaction that he has with her because she can't have a child and he, more than anything, wants to have a son. And so she's calling out in her insecurity. She's crying out, Abram, here, just do this. And at that moment, Abram should have looked beyond his own flesh. He should have looked beyond his own desire. He should have looked beyond even the you know, his own like doubt, like, well, gosh, you know, the Lord said it, but it's still not happening. Maybe she's right. It's like, no, God is bigger than that. And he needed to look past that to say, you know what? My wife is just reaching out to me right now. And that's not what she's asking at all. What she's asking for truly is not, Hey, take this, take Hagar. So she, you know, she can have kids for me. What she's really asking for is honey. I just don't want to be disapproving. I don't want to be a disappointment to you anymore. I don't want to be the source of your pain and your grief. Please do this. But Abram, if he would have been sensitive to the spirit, if he would have really heard what was going on in between the lines, he would have said, he would have said, you know what, sweetheart? No, you are more than enough for me. The Lord has promised us descendants as far as the heavens are above the earth. And you know what? If he has to do that through, you know, uh, an old man and an old woman, then so be it. And you know what? There would have been a great, great moment in that relationship. There would have been an amazing moment in that relationship. But then also, ladies, notice this. Notice what Sarai says. She says, so Sarai said to Abram, see now, the Lord has restrained me from bearing children. Could this be that this is an act of rebellion? She is giving credit. The reason why I can't have children is because the Lord has restrained me. And so what is she doing? This plan, this offer to her husband is a way to bypass what the Lord had for her. She's saying, hey, listen, you know what? The Lord has restrained me, but you know what? You want kids and, you know, I really just want comfort from you. But you know what? If you really want kids, then here, we can get around this this way. Take my maid, Hagar. And it's like, you know what, sometimes when the Lord is speaking and dealing with us, and the timing's not quite right, and we've been waiting, and we've been waiting, and we've been waiting, and we feel like, oh my goodness, I can't wait any longer. Then we have to come to a decision. Lord, can I take you at your word? Or do I need to go into the embrace of the world? Because throughout the rest of the scriptures from this point on, Hagar is a type of the world. And then later of the law and the law, the law that brings death compared to the life, which is in the grace of the cross. Okay, so she's always looked on as a type of the flesh, as a type of the world, as a type of that kind of stuff, because that's what she, she represents here. And it's like, you know, sometimes we can get impatient with the Lord's timing and we can get desperate. And what we do is we turn away from God. We turn away from the timing of the Lord. And I mean, she's saying it right here. The Lord has restrained me. The Lord is keeping me from this thing that I want. And so you know what? I'm going to get it anyway. I'll just find another way. And I'm going to go around the revealed will of the Lord. And I will go around it to get what I want, to get what my husband wants. And so we must never, never, no matter how desperate our situation, no matter how sad and how lonely we may be, how much anxiety we may feel, We must never go into the embrace of the world to find our satisfaction, our contentment, and the answer to our problem because you know what? It's the Lord. It's the Lord. He is the one. He is the one who will do these things. He is the answer to the problem. Remember he said, I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. That was last week. He is the answer. Whatever it is that you're dealing with, he's the answer. He's the answer. And then... Notice this, and this is an important one. In verse 2, it's the second part of it. It says, Perhaps I shall obtain children by her. And then it says, And Abram heeded the voice of Sarai. This morning, do any of you believe that the Lord's will does not include you? That's an important question, don't you think? Because right now, Sarai is saying, Hey, you know what? Perhaps I shall obtain children by her. The will of the Lord is that my husband have, you know, descendants is, you know, more, you know, is same in number as the stars of the heavens. But you know what? He didn't say necessarily say it about me. You know, maybe I'm not really part of that plan. Maybe, you know, maybe the blessings of the Lord have passed over me, so to speak. You know, m- maybe that's not, you know, what the Lord has for me. M- maybe the Lord has for me a different plan. Like, yeah, you know, they, they have this plan for this person over here. You know, they have all the good things. You know, it's like, hey, Pastor Brian, you're the one who never has a bad day, right? Who's always smiling and things like that. You know, the Lord's blessings on you, but they're not on me. That hasn't happened to me. I don't have the same favor that you have. Everything doesn't always go my way. Do, do any of you this morning, do any of us have a belief in our heart? Maybe we don't ever announce it. and Maybe we don't ever, like, say it. But deep inside, we kind of wrestle with this thought of like, you know what? Maybe it's not for me. Maybe that the blessings of the Lord, maybe the will of the Lord is something that I'm not in right now. I'm not in that will and I don't know how to get there. You know, that's where Sarai was. She says, the Lord has restrained me. He's the one who's keeping me from this. And so could it be that I'm not part of the plan? you think about how what a depressing moment that would be to say that out loud? You know, it's one thing when you harbor something in your heart, but then when you say it and you speak it, it feels like it has a greater authority, doesn't it? You have know, to say that. You know, this is the God. This is the God that we literally left our home in Ur to follow. This is the God that we again left our home in Haran to follow. And now, you know, she's sitting here and it's like, you know, God was the one who protected her, you know, in Egypt and all that kind of stuff. And she realized that. And yet now she comes to this place and where she's desperate and she's crying and her husband is willing to take her maid. And yet she's just like, you know, maybe the Lord's will isn't for me. Maybe I'm not part of his blessing. Maybe I'm not part of this plan, this great vision that he has given us. Maybe it's not for me. And I want you all to know this morning that God's plan and God's vision is for all. They are for all who are in Christ Jesus. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. That whoever believes in Jesus Christ will not perish but have everlasting life. It is for the world. And you know what? We can get, and the devil can get in our heads, and he can start messing with, oh, it's not for you. Look at how this happens. And, you know, God hates you. Why do you go to church? Why do you do this? Why do you do that? You know, you're just faking it. You know, you're just a hypocrite. Why do you keep doing that? It's not for you. And yet, God's plan stretches far beyond our own thoughts, our own heart, even what our own feelings— And, you know, sometimes it's like we think, you know what? I'm not part of it. I'm not part of it. I've messed up too much. I've done so much that's wrong. I've done so many vile things that there is no plan for me. I'm beyond it. I'm beyond grace. And I can tell you from my own personal uh, testimony, I won't go into graphic details because it's like I don't prefer bragamonies or anything like that. But I've said it from this pulpit before, but I know By my life and the things that I have done, the things that I have wrought with these hands, I deserve hell. And like when you think about what hell is and the fire, the torment, the torture, I know I deserve it. I deserve it. And so I would say as the pastor, as the chief of sinners, so to speak, as as the apostle Paul said, it's like, you know what? God's grace is for you. His plan does include you. And his will is for your life and for your good. And, you know, sometimes, you know, we can get in our minds and we can get in, into a funk and we can get all depressed and we can get all upset. And it's like, oh, no, it's not me. It's not me. It's not me. It's not me. Yes, it is. It is for you. It is for me. And trust me, you haven't done anything worse than what I've done. I promise you that. I don't even need to know what you've done because I know what I've done. And it's not I don't want to point to it like, oh, look how cool I am. because I've done evil. No, it's evil. It's bad. It's something to be ashamed of, and I will be ashamed of it for the rest of my life. But I would say, you know what? God's will does not bypass you because of your past. His grace is greater than your sin. All you have to do is believe. All you have to do is turn to Him and trust in Him and not embrace the world to be your Savior. You don't need a replacement Jesus. You need to look to Him, the author and the finisher of your faith. And when you do that, when I do that, guess what? There is a freedom. There is a release. One of the cool things that uh, this lady, Jackie, in this book, Chasing the Dragon, was talking about, she said, you know what? A lot of people, when they're these heroin addicts that have been heroin addicts since they were like nine years old, she says, you know what? When they come off, you know, there's no easy way around it. You know, getting off the heroin's easy. You know, it's literally, you lock yourself into a room for a week and you have the withdrawals and it's painful and it's horrible and it's hideous and yet in a week's time it'll be out of your system it'll be out of your system but you unlock that door and you let that person out they're going to go right back and they're going to get back into that heroin again they're going to get right back into that opium or the alcohol again because the mind hasn't changed the heart hasn't changed and but she said but now this is the way and this is what her personal testimony and her personal witness from these people in the Wall City is that when they gave their heart to Jesus when they looked to him guess what the craving was gone The craving was no more. They still had to go through the withdrawals. They went through the withdrawals, but when they came out on the other end of that tunnel of the withdrawals, guess what? The hunger was gone because now they are satisfied. They are eating a bread that can satisfy. They are drinking a water that replenishes itself and overflows into torrents of living water, as Jesus said. All you who are weary, come to me. That's what we were singing in in that last song. Jesus said, All who are thirsty, come and drink of me, and torrents of living water will overflow from you. The satisfaction for our souls cannot be found in the embrace of an Egyptian servant. The satisfaction for our souls cannot be met in the arms of the world and the things that it provides. And we have to understand and we have to dare to believe that we are not outside of God's grace, His sovereignty. And his joy. Because it is for us. It is for you. It is for me. It is for our children and our grandparents. It's for the people that our kids are out there sharing the gospel with right now. It's for them. And you know, these gangsters, they they sat there and it's like, uh, you know, Christians don't deal with us. You know, and and that's, what they, that's what they learned early on because the people, when they would go to churches, the church would say, oh, they're bad boys. Get out of here, you bad boys. That's literally like what they would do. They were shunned from the religious organization because they were considered, the, you are evil. They, you know, the, the, the church in that day in Hong Kong was like that. Just like, no, 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 you're a sinner. Get away from me. You, know, you don't belong here. And they got angry at Jackie for bringing these uh, hoodlums into their church. You know, these kids who needed to hear the gospel were being shunned because they were bad. You know, it's like, how backwards is that? Jesus ate with sinners. You know, he ate with sinners. And guess what? He said that he will come and eat with us. We are sinners. There's no doubt about that. You know, I hope none of you think that you're righteous and that you get to heaven on your own righteousness. Because if you do, I'm sorry, but you're sorely mistaken. Because God does not grade on a, grade on a curve. He doesn't grade on you know, how everybody else around you is doing. He grades on, you know, here's, here's, the top, here's the thing that ruins the whole curve. Jesus came and became a man. So now the figurehead of humanity lived a perfect life. And if you don't reach that, if this is a pass-fail class. 75 does not pass in this class. It is pass or fail. You are either in Christ or you are in Adam. You are either under the blessings or you are under the curses. Joshua said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And every one of us this day must make that choice. We must make that choice because a religious system will not get us to heaven. And our sin cannot keep us from heaven. And the law and Satan and the power of the sin in our own flesh cannot keep us from heaven if if we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. God's will is for you. And never ever ever think that you are somehow not part of that plan. Ever. And then I want to point out turn with me to verse 4. <laughs> Now we come to the other side of the corn, to the other side of the coin, corn. Now we look at Hagar. And here we have Hagar, who was a slave her whole life. I don't know if any of you have ever seen uh, like North and South and things like that. We watched it uh, in high school and in eighth grade. And Heidi and I were actually we, we, were, we watched it just recently. It's like, oh, my goodness, I can't believe they let us watch this. There's some pretty racy stuff in north and south. It's like, whoa. It's like, and she's like, gosh, weren't the boys embarrassed at that? And I'm like, well, probably, I guess. But it's like when you're dealing with this situation of like slaves and how they hated being slaves, they couldn't stand it. And there was just like, you know, I've been a slave my whole life. And I have no chance of ever being freed from that. I will be a, i was born a slave and I will die a slave. And that is Hagar. She's not a black slave, she's an Egyptian slave. She was born a slave and she'll be a slave. And you know what? She was uh Sarai's maid, and you know, we know the Bible doesn't uh you know, paint people in the Bible like, oh, they're holier than thou. This is the great Sarai who will become Sarah. You know, she was perfect and pleasant, and had a smile. She's perfectly, pra- practically perfect in every way, you know. It's like the Bible doesn't paint, it, you know, the characters within its pages like that. You know, Sarai was probably moody in the morning. She probably would snap at Sarai until she got her second cup of coffee. You know, she would probably, like, I do this and do that and do that. And Sarai, is pr- or Hagar is probably, like, ah, why do I have to do that? Mm-hmm. Yes, Sarai, and all that. And then all of a sudden it's like, ooh, look, an opportunity. Sarai says, hey, Hagar, you're going to be the wife of my husband. It's like, oh, we're moving on up. <laughs> to the side, right? It's like, you know, hey, I'm not just a slave anymore. I'm going to be the wife of the master. Wow, hey. And so she gets there, and you know what? Now, now she's still not on equal terms, but you know, she, her, her stock has gone way up, right? And so there she is, and she's sitting there, and she's doing her thing, and then, you know, she conceives. She's got a, she's pregnant. She's got a baby. And guess what? Now the pride is like, aha, ha. Who is it now, Miss High and Mighty Princess? That's what Sarai's name means. You know, hey princess, guess what? Ooh, sorry, you know, no babies for you, but <laughs> who's pleasing to the husband now? Yeah. Right, she despised Sarai. Can you imagine being a slave to somebody? And then all of a sudden, it's like you are now a wife, like an equal. And now that, that one who you were um, a slave to can't have children. And now, guess what? You have a child. You know, now the pride just swelled up within Hagar and she despised it. She was probably like, You make your own coffee. Uh huh. I got a kid. I ain't getting it. You yeah, know, you go feed the camels. I ain't doing it. No, brush your own hair. You know, I, I ain't have anything to do with it. Forget you. You know, forget you, Miss High and Mighty. You know, maybe I'll do a little curtsy for you, but that's about it. You know, she despised Sarai. And can you imagine? Now, Sarai is already angry, right? She's already hurt. Her husband accepted the offer, who he should have denied it, right? But she's already there. She can't have children, which is a huge shame in that culture. And now the slave is now like rising up. It's like an uprising against her, and is like you know despising her and smack talking and being rude and all that kind of stuff. It's like you know she's probably at her wits' end. Can you imagine that emotional state of her? And so you know, she walks to she walks to Abram. Remember I said about sowing the seed? You, you sow to the wind and you reap the whirlwind, right? Because remember she was the one who offered Hagar to 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 Abram, and now she's like you, you, you know. My wrong be upon you because you accepted, you know, I gave her into your embrace and now she's, you know, she's acting all with this attitude and Any of you got teenagers? <laughs> Trinity's already starting to go there. I'm just saying, but you know what I'm saying? It's like, wow, you know, you, how dare you? You know, I do this for you and now look how I'm treated. Abram's, <laughs> he's like, and he, he did the wise thing here, babe. Hey, hon, she's yours. <laughs> Forget it. You know I ain't going there. I ain't going there. I, I'm I'm not choosing favorites between my wives. She's your slave. She's still your slave. She's my wife, but she's still your slave. You know she's yours. And then Sarai goes, and with all of the anger, venom, frustration, all of the sadness and anxiety, all wrapped up into one, she delivers delivers this sandwich called Pow. Have a taste of this, Hagar. And boom, she unloads on Hagar, so much so that Hagar runs away. Now, a slave running away is punishable by death. That was true in the South, uh, in our own country. That's, that's been true in Rome uh, in Jesus' day. And that was true uh, in this day with, with uh, Abram and Sarai as well. And she was so ill-treated by Sarai, she was torn into so much that she literally fled She ran away. And here's a great example of how it's like, you know what? There are times in life where we will be the underdog, where everything seems to be going against us. Everything seems to be going against us. We can't get ahead. We can't get ahead. And all of a sudden, blessing, promotion, favor. And what we must do, we must learn from Hagar right now, is not to be filled with pride. Because pride will destroy you. Every time it will destroy you. And so she runs away. And in verse seven, follow this now. She's filled with pride and she starts dishing it out. And guess what? Sarai can dish it out a little bit better. You know, uh, Hagar was an amateur at this, but Sarai, boy, she's princesses, man. You got to watch out for those princesses, man. They know how to dish it. And so you just, I'm just saying, you watch out for, you know, those princesses, you know who they are, you know, those princesses, they know how to dish it out. And Hagar, you know, she kind of, she tried to, you know, deliver a little BLT, but Sarah smacked it down like, boom, you know, you come at me with sword and shield. Yeah. Let me nuke you here. (laughs) So Hagar runs away and she's off in the wilderness. She's kind of doing her thing. She found a little spring of water and she's chilling there. She's probably crying, all upset, like, I thought I was so important and I'm not, (laughs) you know, all upset and the whole bit. And then look at this. It says, now the angel of the Lord found her. Isn't that a comforting, just, just the way that reads. The angel of the Lord found her. She was running. She was running from her life. She was running from her past. She was running for her situation. She was running from her mistress. And yet it says the angel of the Lord found her. Doesn't matter how far we run. Doesn't matter what we're running from. The angel of the Lord is always running. Right there with us. you know, And he's never far away. All we have to do is turn around. When you turn around or when you stop running, that's when he meets you. And it says that the angel of the Lord found her. And this is what I want you to notice. Listen to this. Listen on verse 8. It says, this is how the angel of the Lord addresses Sarai, Abram's wife. That's not how he, that's not how he addresses her. Look how The Lord addresses her. He says, Hagar, Sarai's maid. Hmm wow, do you ever just need that straightening out from the Lord? Where we get a little bit too big for our britches and we think we're such hot stuff. It's like, hey, senior pastor, Brian Jameson. And Lord says, hey, slave, what's up? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, profitable for nothing. Right? That's what the New Testament says. Bond servant. Very good. Very good. Sometimes we just need the Lord and we just need his voice. We just need a word from the Lord where he'll just, he'll just like, you know what? I'm just going to, I'm just going to put this out there. You're Sarai's maid. Whatever's been going on, you know, it doesn't matter how you've been exalted, all these things, you will always be Sarai's maid. You are her maid. That is where I have put you. And I want you to submit to that. And you go like, wow. And then notice this because, you know, obviously she's probably crying. I I can imagine tears in her eyes. And she says, he says, so where where are you going? Where where, have you come from? Where are you going? What are you doing over here at this bus stop? And she says, I'm fleeing from the presence, and notice this, of my mistress, Sarai. Do you see how there was like a change in her mind? There was a change in her thought process. The angel of the Lord comes to her. She's in her moment of pride. You know, kind of broken down now, but she's in her moment of pride. And the angel of the Lord says, hey, Hagar, Sarai's maid what are you doing here? And she's just like, just that word from the Lord, just that word from the Lord was enough to change her mindset where she says, I'm fleeing from my mistress. A mistress is one who has authority over you. She says, I'm, I'm fleeing from her. And the angel of the Lord says, you know what? Return to your mistress. Return to your mistress and you submit to her that is the word of the Lord to her. And it's like, gosh, you think about that. You know, you know, like when your pride wells up and it's just like full and you're just like, you're like overflowing with your pride and all of a sudden you have to go apologize. Right? And you have to go, can you imagine her walk like slinking back in after she had like, had like caught that full on attitude and she walks back into the tent. I'm sorry, Sarai. Can you imagine how hard those words would be? Can you imagine how bad they would taste? It's like, ugh, how do you do that? And then after that, when Sarai says, will you please brush my hair? Yes, ma'am, I will. Will you do this? Yes, I will. Go do that. And you know what? Sarai, you know, she's, she was an incredible woman, no doubt. You know, she enters the, you know, the, Bible, the Bible's, you know, hall of faith and all that. But, you know, she was probably pretty upset with Hagar for a while. I can imagine the first few times that, you know, Sarai asked uh, Hagar to do something, that probably wasn't asking. It was probably more demanding. You know, you go do that now, and she probably gave her some pretty bad chores to do. No, no, no. The other servants were taking a day off. You go do this right now. Go. That's just that's human nature, you know. And, and, and Sarai was a woman of like passions. She's just like us. And yet the Lord said to her, to Hagar, "Hey, you know what? You go. You return to your mistress and you submit to her. But you know what? The Lord left <laughs> Hagar with the comfort." And you think, gosh, I, you know, I can't imagine you know, submitting myself underneath my boss again. Or I can't imagine submitting myself under my husband again. Or I can't imagine myself dot, 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 fill in the blank. But you know what? The Lord gave this comfort to Hagar. Because, I mean, that's about as bad of a situation you can be. You are a slave. And then you rose up and, like, tried to topple you know, the authority of your mistress. And then you were brought back down at the will of uh, the husband, and then now the Lord himself, God, you know, says, go back and humble yourself before her. So that's about the bad of a situation as you could probably find yourself in. And that's where she was. But you know what? God says, you know, submit yourself. And now listen to this. There is a comfort. There is a blessing that the Lord gives to her in this. And he talks about her, her child that she's going to have, that he's going to be a wild man, but he's going to be a great nation. There's going to be multitudes of her, uh, her relatives but he says, listen to this. In verse 11, it says, You shall call his name Ishmael. And you think, well, what's so comforting about that? You know, Ishmael, yeah? So what? Ishmael means God hears. God hears. And you know what? I mean, Hagar, she found herself in a bad situation. I mean, you know, we don't always have the choice of where we find ourselves. You know, sometimes life just plays out in such a way that you find yourself in, in a bad spot. And we can't blame ourselves. You can't blame other people. It's just, it's just life. It's where we are. And, you know, Hagar found herself in this situation. And God says, no, I want you to do what's right. You go back and you submit yourself. But your son, I want you to name him Ishmael because I hear And when your mistress is being mean to you, when you're feeling sad, when you're feeling dejected, when you feel like you're just not worth it, you know, that, that, you know, you she's the favored wife and now you're saddled to this man and he doesn't love you as much as he loves the other one. Can you imagine living like that? And he's like, Hey, you know what? Just go and submit yourself there. But now know this, know this. I hear you, Hagar. I hear your cries, I hear the sadness in your voice. I know. I know what you're going through. And I'm here. And I will be here. Because I mean, think about it. When somebody hears you, that means you're in the same room, huh? That means you're close, in close proximity to hear somebody speaking. And he's like, Hagar, every time, every time you call your son, I want you to remember that I hear. I want you to know that I'm here. And she even says that. She she names that place Lahoy Roy or La Roy High or something like that. Where is it? Anyway, she names it that, which basically just means uh, well of the one who lives and sees me. She had she had an encounter with God, the God of her master, but now he is kind of becoming her God. She's just like, whoa. You know, he's real. And sometimes the Lord calls us to do things that we're not happy about. Sometimes he calls us to humble ourselves and submit ourselves to uh, people that we don't necessarily like or appreciate. And yet he says, you know what? Go and do this. Do this in my name. Represent me. Give glory to me. And if you are persecuted for righteousness' sake, if you're persecuted for my name's sake, then blessed are you. He says, but when you find yourself in that place and you're in pain and you're angry and you're upset and you're sad and you're discontented, he says, then call on me because I will hear you. And I will give you direction for your day. The Lord is good. His will is for us. We are never outside of that will. He has a good plan and a good purpose. And he will ask us to submit ourselves to uncomfortable situations. But in that, we are to know that he is always with us and he will always hear us. He is the God who hears. It's a good word, huh? Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much that you do hear our voices, Lord, that you did send your son to dwell among men. And Lord, that your desire is to be with us Lord and as we have put our faith in your son Jesus Christ Lord you have sent the promised helper the Holy Spirit your Holy Spirit to dwell within us and Lord you hear even our very thoughts you are so close to us always and Lord whatever we might be running away from this morning and I know there are those of us who are running away from things Lord whatever we are running away from Lord we are never far from you we are never far from your word speaking clarity into our lives as you spoke clarity into Hagar. And Lord, your comfort is here. Lord, we know that you hear. And so, Lord, we give you thanks this morning and we give you all praises and glory. In Jesus' name, amen.